minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pack-A-Day Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things green and gold. And as we inch closer toward the end of April, it is draft month, and we have a new get. We have a new guy joining us for this draft month. Matt Fralix with us. And Matt, welcome to our our motley Sunday crew, and uh, glad to have you with us for for NFL draft coverage. You know, it's 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 good to chop it up with you guys throughout the year. You know, on Twitter and Pack-A-Day and wherever else we cross paths, but. It's real nice to sit down and break some draft stuff. You know, I like Janelle and Dan, but I sometimes need a break from them, and I'm I'm thankful I wasn't paired with you know Jacob Westendorf for Steve or someone you know that I just can't stand. So awesome to be with you guys, and I'm excited to talk these uh these receivers. Without a doubt, and as you brought it up, we do have a trio of receivers to break down for you guys, and when we know it's not likely they're gonna break their trend and draft their first receiver since Javon Walker, there's still a chance that that could happen, maybe even rounds one or two. And we have a trio of guys of different skill sets to break down today. And, and Gage, I know you've been kind of keeping track on these guys, and there's some interesting prospects to talk about. Yeah, there are. This uh, wide receiver class is one that there's a couple of names at the top that everybody knows. You got your Jamar Chase, your Jalen Wall, Devonta Smith, and then. But the really the sweet spot of this draft is like late round one, or and then day two. There's just there's a lot of guys in rounds two and three that are just extremely talented players and then there's guys that are going to fall to day three and they shouldn't fall to day three it's just how deep this class is is at wide receiver you may not have the pure star talent that we had last year but there are a ton of talented guys in this group without it without a doubt completely and there are a lot of names to break down and of course stay tuned all month we'll be breaking down different prospects we'll go through the positions i know we'll be taking on some linebackers next week and eventually get to we'll get to breaking down the whole running back class later this month as well so stay tuned all across the Packet Day podcast a month. We'll be having different prospects, different positions, breaking down throughout this entire draft season. But that being said, let's jump right into this receiver, and we'll start with a receiver that's starting to really rise up boards. And Gage, you talked about you've been seeing some of the guys who are more plugged into the into the draft coverage really breaking this guy down and having him rise up boards, and that's Elijah Moore out of Ole Miss. About 5'9", 184, more of a, a true slot guy. He's been productive. And just kind of, what have you seen from Elijah Moore? And break, kind of break him down for us. So I've been, I actually just got done doing Elijah Moore's draft profile a couple weeks ago for the Cheesehead TV draft guide. And the one thing I noticed about Elijah Moore is that dude was the entire offense for Ole Miss this past season. He had 86 receptions in eight games. And people are like, okay, so about 10, a little over 10 receptions per game. But then you go and look and he had, like one game where he had 11 catches, he, he he had I think three games of 14 or more receptions. It was it was wild. They were just like, yep, Elijah Moore is our entire offense. We have to go give him the ball. And he's a he's a fun prospect. Everyone sees five nine and they assume like jitterbug gadget type guy. And that's not the type of player that he is. He can do that stuff for you, but he is a true slot. Um, I wrote in my draft guide that. For those of you that are still looking for the Randall Cobb replacement, this is your guy. He is going to line up. He can run. He can run all routes. He can run the full route tree. He can play. He can't really play outside, which is fine in Green Bay because you have you have uh, Devontae, MBS, and Alan Lazard on the outside. So let me check really quick. So it's 
In eight games, he had seven of them where he caught ten or more passes. He like he was the entire passing game for Ole Miss last year. I'm a big fan of Elijah Moore. I like what he brings. I also understand that in Green Bay, there is a si- kind of a size requirement in order for him to get on the roster, and he doesn't quite meet that. Now, he could get to the point where Green Bay hasn't ranked so highly and they end up taking him anyway, but as we all know, you have to test extremely well athletically for Green Bay to ignore the measurables standpoint. So I don't really know if he's going to end up in Green Bay, but I do like the player, and I think that he can have a successful NFL career as a traditional slot player. Yeah, th- I mean, thus far, like, I, Gage broke it down great. Like, he, you look at his stats, it's incredible. You talked about those double-digit reception games. Gage, he also had 200 yards in three games as well, plus. Like, that's that's insane. Um, I love the comparison of Randall Cobb, too. That's That pulls in some heartstrings for Packer fans, and I'm sure us three as well. But really, what I like with Moore is that he's not just a jitter. He can... He can play in the slot. He can line up in different spots, possibly supplement the Tavon Austin, Tyler Irvin role um, in Matt LaFleur's offense. And I think the trend, as we'll see when we get you know deeper into this draft and you know throughout the, all the days of the 2021 draft, and as we get further into Gutekunst's draft classes, like you, can, you, you get a general vibe of what Goody's trying to do, right? He wants guys that are versatile, whether that's offensive linemen, secondary dudes, uh, front seven guys. I think that's super important. I see that with Elijah Moore quite a bit. Um, you talked about the athletic rating. Um, you know, that's the one aspect that you can make the argument that the Packers would draft him based off of. He's at an 8.67, um, which falls into that range of where the Packers would draft. Unfortunately, size, as you mentioned, Gage, he's not 6'3". He's not 215, 220 pounds and runs a 4'4". Like, this guy is not the same style of receiver that Matt LaFleur and Gutekunst have brought in, and we've had a pretty good, I guess, you know, inventory of players that have been drafted or signed that he does, he's kind of the outlier. But again, Tyler Irvin, Tavon Austin are also outliers as well. So I could see Elijah Moore coming into in, in the space. I mean, it, clearly production is no issue with him. It's just a matter of how you'd implement him in the Matt LaFleur, Nathaniel Hackett offense and how he could be effective. Yeah, and you talk you talk about that versatility and goes with the four three two protein speed is always something to keep an eye on and and Daniel Jeremiah, I'm reading an article right now that he he shot him up the ranking. He moved up twelve spots after his pro day. He's now number thirty eight on Jeremiah's board, saying he can make plays. He started doing more work. He knows his route running. Uh, he's now a top of the second round prospect there. Odell Beckham Jr. has really uh, started endorsing him, talking about him, uh, telling people that they're sleeping on him that. Of the SEC is going to be a playmaker, and everyone keeps on bringing up the penalty he had against Mississippi State a couple years ago. That's a kid being a kid. I that I don't understand why that ever gets brought up in a draft profile, but yeah, Moore is just a playmaker, and he's a guy who he's going to be someone who I feel like if they pick him, Matt Lafleur is going to fall in love with him immediately and training camp will be so much fun to watch how they would use a guy like him. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking I'm looking back at that penalty. I'm so glad you mentioned that. That was a freshman doing that type of thing. Scoring in a in the egg bowl against Mississippi State, right? Fifteen yard penalty for, you know, pretending to urinate like a dog in the end zone after he scores a touchdown. I mean, any eighteen, nineteen year old kid, you gets get the spotlight on him. He's gonna do something like that. Was it all you know, was it that bad? No, but they're gonna put any red mark you can on a draft 
you know, on a prospect just to kind of like what if they're you're trying to look for bad at sometimes, right? And if you can't find anything on the tape, then you try to find stuff off the field. And this just so happened that he made a, a boneheaded move and just kind of was celebrating on a in a in a bowl game. Yeah, and Mike, you say I don't know why they got a nitpick that. You know exactly why they got a nitpick that. They got to go and find every single bit of information that they can on a prospect, and that includes all the good, that includes all the bad. That's why no like no one ever wants to draft a guy and then you get into like two days after the draft has happened and you're like, oh, wait, we drafted a guy who did XYZ thing. So that's why you're going to nitpick that thing. Yes, it happened two years ago or three years ago or whatever mm-hmm. it was, but you have, to, you have to pull on every single string you can because obviously he has not had any other issues like that on the field, but you have to pull that just to make sure that that was a one-time incident in a rivalry game from a freshman who was probably 18 at the time, you have to see, is this something that we have to worry about you doing again? Because the NFL is going to call flags for this, and we're, we don't feel like getting flagged or having you make other mistakes off the field. We have to figure out, are you able to get through every game without making this mistake again? And I assume that he can. I have no doubts about that. But I get it. They have to go through and make sure that, that's not, that they're not risking their investment on a guy that – like might be young and immature and stupid but at the time he was 18 so i don't really look too much into that but yeah the player i love the player i think he's gonna have a great career i don't know if he's gonna do it in green bay so much but i think that he can uh i think he can fit somewhere in this league and gage i'll ask you ls ls matt too but before we switch to our next prospect i agree with you i don't think he'll be a round one guy but do you think if the packers trade down he'd be a spot in early round two it depends on who else is on the board and how early the wide receiver run starts. I think that the like more I don't I'm not as high on him as a lot of other people are in terms of especially like looking at it from a Green Bay perspective because I know how Green Bay really values their um, like their size requirements. And one of the main reasons why I'm not as high is there are other guys that I would prefer in the slot that are either the same size or bigger than uh, Elijah Moore is. So. I mean, they could look at him in the early, early second. It just kind of depends on how the run happens. Like, if there's a run of a bunch of wide receivers in the late first, which I don't expect to happen, then, yeah, sure, he might. they might need to draft him that early. But I honestly think if he's there in late second and they didn't take a wide receiver in the first and they're really in on him, then they can go after him. But if he's gone, don't be heartbroken about it. I would let – I mean – What were your thoughts about Yeah, that? no, it's great. Like, Engage started this – by saying like there's a lot of talent after even if you get those four or five guys off the board you know the Devonte Smiths of the world the uh, you know the other guys that are clearly are going to be a top 20 pick I would imagine in the first round but really at the end of the day like it's it's all value based and we've seen Goody trade up trade back before and if there's a guy that he likes and if that's Elijah Moore like he will go up and trade for him if he thinks he the there's a run on receivers going too quickly he thinks he can wait and pump the brakes, maybe trade back even and get another second round pick to be able to get Elijah Moore or some, maybe some of the other uh, receivers we're going to talk about um, that might play out. But again, end of the day, it's, it's gotta be the right fit. And that's, I think this, I think he could fit the offense. I just don't know if he'll be on the board long enough with the way that he's been rising. And, and that's always the fun thing about the draft is we never know how each team's board is going to go. So whether the Packers may view someone like Moore as a late second round pick, There'll be someone, cough, Vegas cough, that may view him as a round one guy because of his speed or because of what he brings. So it's it's going to be fun to watch, see how these boards fall. 
and it's going to be a lot of fun with, with the versatility in this class to see what happens. So let's move on to our next prospect, and we're going to stay in the SEC, another kind of smaller, really, really athletic receiver, and that's Kadarius Toney out of Florida. Uh, and Tony's been kind of volatile on these board on the boards. He's been rising, he's been falling. It's it's fun. It's gonna be interesting to see how much he was a product of the Florida offense, uh, how much having people like Kyle Pitts around him or trash when the ball goes on. But uh, Matt, what have you seen from Tony? Tony's a fun player, man. He's he's a guy. He was the first one I started breaking down, and just like like you said, volatile, right? Like he's to me like I hate to put a lot of weight on stats coming out of college like it's good especially like when you had elijah moore like he increased his stats every year that's important to me however like that can be completely inflated by a great offense a subpar or above average quarterback um and you could possibly make the argument that uh, tony's production was based off if he had a good offense around him and but at the end of the day i think tony's uh, personally like i put tony and um elijah moore in the same bucket if you will um compared to the other prospect we're going to get into but i just see him as a versatile piece again very similar he has more um, rushing attempts than elijah moore did um he's had multiple games where he's had over 100 yards but i think you know you look at the stats compared comparatively and like you're like oh elijah moore is way more productive in college but you're like eh, if you actually watch the tape like Tony's kind of a crazy athlete, man. Like he can, his route running is something that I saw a lot was mentioned in some breakdowns I looked at where it's like, it's, it's, they, they don't want it. You don't want to call it clunky. You don't want to call it like he just relies on his like athleticism to get by, but like he's able to actually have some decent route running in it. I don't want to make a comparison because he's one of the best in league, obviously, but like the Devonte Adams, there's similar comparisons the way he gets off the line. Obviously, they're a completely different body type, but like the way he uses his feet and his hips to move, and I got to imagine once he gets gets into the league, whoever he ends up being um, selected by, that their receivers, the receiver coaches will work on him, and he'll even become a better route runner. But there's times where it's like he got open and just wasn't able to get found by Trask. But um, I like Tony as a prospect a little bit more than Elijah Moore. Um, what are your thoughts, Gage? I like Kadarius Tony a little bit more as well. Yeah, 5'11", uh, 185, so he does have a little bit more size to him. And also, you mentioned his speed. Yeah, the guy was one of the top track stars in the state of Florida when he was in high school. Um, so, yeah, he's got he's got some juice to him. He Kadarius Tony is a guy that when I watched him, I saw a guy that can do both. He could play both inside and outside, and that's a big thing. So I said that earlier that, I was a little bit higher on some other guys that play a similar role to Moore, but they're either the same size or bigger. Tony's one of those guys. He is big enough to play the slot, or he's small enough to play the slot, but also big enough he can go outside if you need him to. He's not going to be a full-time outside guy, but you can line him up everywhere. And with a guy like Devontae Adams, who can go into the slot as well, that's a good thing to have a guy that you can put in the slot or you can put outside to allow Devontae to move around the around the offense, and that really puts the defensive backs in a compromising position when they have to worry about guarding guy a here guy a in this spot as well and they just gotta move all around tony can do that i am a fan of tony i think that he is a i think he's a fun player i think that there i'm a little concerned though that he's you guys know the nick perry effect where nick perry didn't do hardly anything until his final year of his contract and that's when he finally put it together he stayed healthy did everything right and then he didn't 
anything after that. Kadarius Tony didn't really do anything for three years. I'm pretty sure, if I remember correctly, he had more receptions and more yards than he had in his first three years combined this past season. I don't know if it was just competent quarterback play, competent offense or what, but he finally got it all put together and went out and had a great year, which is awesome. But, yeah, he's gone he's kind of gone up and down he was a lock to be a first round pick two months two to three months ago and then now i'm seeing him pretty consistently being mocked outside of the first round i think that he fits well in green bay i think that he's mike you said earlier should green bay try and trade down for maybe more in the early second i think if you want to trade down and draft a guy in the early second Kadarius tony is the one that i would target if you're looking for that role because he is a guy that can He's not Tyler Irvin, but he can play the Tyler Irvin role. He can give you snaps out of the slot, and it allows you to get multiple players on the field. That's the whole point of the Tyler Irvin role is to have guys that can play positions, like just that can play multiple positions, and you can get as many athletes on the field. If you can line up Aaron Jones, Kadarius Toney, MVS, Alan Lazard, Devontae Adams, as well as Bob Tunyon, that's going to be a pretty fearsome group for people to have to try and mess with because – Tony's got Tony and MBS have elite speed. Devontae and uh, Devontae is wide receiver one. You have Alan Lazard who can win jump balls. Bob Tunyon who just set multiple records this last year for like most touched or like highest touchdown percentage and lowest drop percentage and all these other various things. Aaron Jones is obviously weapon one that everyone wants to refer to. So I think the Canaries Tony fits in well with this offense. I think you can also get him by trading down if you want to in the first round. And I I like Tony a lot. I think that there's a couple of things that I'm a little concerned about, like just with the fact that he had no next to no production for three years, as well as the uh, – I don't know if you guys know this. He was pulled over for a uh, – for like pulled over at one point in the last couple of years, and he had a loaded AR-15 in his back seat. He wasn't arrested for it, wasn't charged with it, wasn't charged with anything, but it is something that is just like the Elijah Moore peeing on the field thing. I think that the uh, Kadarius Tony, that – that thing is something that's going to be uh, that's going to be a strings pulled on pretty hard uh, during this pre-draft process. Absolutely, I totally agree with you. And like, I the size too. I mean, let, first I'm going to address that. Like, I think peeing on a field and having a loaded gun are completely separate things. Again, they can be in the same box, so it's like a mistake, and that's fine. We've all probably committed those mistakes. Um, maybe not in the same. That's breath, where but... I was putting it. I was putting it yeah. in the mistake box. I wasn't Absolutely. saying like those were the same thing. I was just they were in the red flag, like the character red flag box. Hundred percent. But like you said, the string will be yanked no matter what. No matter what it was, it could be a bad Instagram post. It could be one of these other two examples. But the thing I like about Tony too, Gage, um, and I think you mentioned this right away, is like just his size. Like he's five eleven, close to two hundred pounds. Like he's a little bit thicker. Um, then Elijah Moore, I, I just really like what he can do. And you talk about the, the stats. I think that's a great thing to mention. Um, but it's important to note. And I looked at this while you're mentioning this, like him and Kyle Trask came in at the same time. Right. So it's like Trask was developing and so was Tony. It's not like he came in and had a, you know, a junior, or a senior thrown into him when he was a freshman and a sophomore, they progressed through the same draft or the same recruiting class together. So maybe that's why you saw him, you know, finally have some great stats this last year but that is somewhat of a concern right like he didn't do a lot but like once he was asked to do it I mean he was returning kicks he was returning punts um he's only fumbled the ball twice in his whole career I think that's important to note especially a guy that's getting the ball quite a bit in his hands on you know three different levels of the field but um Tony's the prospect out of the two if we had to compare them that I I really really like um 
I'm sure I'm going to take Mike's question. Would you draft him? Would you not? It's kind of the same thing for me. Like if there's value there and you like him, go ahead. I just feel like this, this player is a little bit more versatile to, than Elijah Moore is. Um, the return aspect is huge because the Packers have lacked that. Will this gentleman work for the return game? Will he not? Who knows what will happen when um, you know they get on the field in 2021, he'll be returning. But overall, I, I like Tony, especially, like you mentioned, the elite speed. Hey, everyone. I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or, if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. For sure, and I, I just want to see them draft him so, we, so we, people can confuse Kadarius and Zadarius to see what would happen. <laughs> that, that'd just be a lot of fun. And I guess on a side note, uh, with the pro, like with my spreadsheet that I'm building right now, I'm taking uh, draft rankings from essentially seven different sources, and I'm averaging them out to okay. kind of see how prospects kind of balance out. I've gone through three. I've gone through the Draft Network, Pro Football Network, and Draft Tech, which is kind of iffy, but I've been, that's what I've been averaging right now. Right now, Kadarius Tony is wide receiver six, as far as those just those three averaging out. Elijah Moore is wide receiver ten. Uh, Tony's highest ranking is from the Draft Network. He's at he's their twenty third prospect right now on their big board. Moore at sixty seven. It just I just find that kind of fascinating to see where they rank. Our, our next guy. Absolutely is wide receiver four on my, my average list so far. He's rated number 19 by the draft network, which is his highest, and we'll jump right into him, and that is Rashad Bateman out of the University of Minnesota. Uh, last goal for receiver right now was the bait of my existence from the NFC Championship game, but Bateman, <laughs> probably the better prospect than Tyler Johnson was. Uh, Matt, I'll go right to you. What have you seen from Bateman, and and what do you think he can be in the NFL? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a little meat on the bone for Gage because I know he likes this guy, but... Bateman is, he falls into the uh, less twitchy, more traditional uh, Brian Gutekunst role of who he'd want. Now, Bateman to me is like, he doesn't have elite speed. That's fine. Um, You know, straight line running is great. We love to compare and contrast it, especially during a combine or a pro day when guys are in spandex and and no pads on. That's fine. But I, I really think Bateman has football speed, and I hate to use that term, but he really does. Like, if you watch him get out of his breaks, get out of his his um, his um route tree, like, he's able to, you know, to get to the next level, and we'll see if that translates into the NFL with, you know, the, the biggest comparison always is when players come in, as they say, the speed is the biggest, you know, difference. Um, unfortunately, 2020 season was, you know, erratic for everyone um, across the league, um, every sport, and... 
Bateman was in, he was out, then he came back, then he opted out. It was like this whole, you know, circus. So you had to go back to 2019 to see his full stats and really like he had 1,200 yards, 60 receptions, 11 touchdowns. That's when he really became, you know, potentially in a top, I don't know, top five receiver class. You have him ranked as four. Like, I like Bateman. I think he can do a lot for the Packers. I think he's going to be, he could be more of a um, possession receiver obviously with his skill set. And I think he's one of the guys that if you compare all three of these dudes, I think, you know, I think it's safe to say, and everyone would agree that Aaron Rodgers makes receivers fantastic. He's made careers out of lesser talent than all three that we've discussed. But I think this, this particular receiver in Rashad Bateman, you could plug him in this offense and he would be productive day one. Um, whereas you have Tony or Elijah Moore, I feel like their skill set would need to be worked into the offense more. Um, just with them, you know, probably in that more tradition or that role of the, the Randall Cobb role, the Tyler Irvin, the Tavon Austin. Um, I think Bateman's awesome. I think there's been some really, really fantastic receivers coming out of uh, Minnesota recently. And I think he would carry that tradition on once he would be selected in the NFL. Well, Matt, I appreciate you leaving some meat on the for me. I tried. Because I do, I like you said, I do like Rashad Bateman. Uh, Rashad Bateman is actually my wide receiver three in this class. Uh, I have him over Devontae Smith. Um, and I know that's going to be kind of hot takey to some people, but do me a favor and go look at the list of receivers that weighed less than 170, weighed less than 175 pounds and were successful in the NFL. It's not a very long list. Rashad Bateman is, and I said this before we got started, Rashad Bateman to me is Devontae Adams. I like that's, that's my comp for him. He's currently like he measures in at six two two ten. Devontae Adams pre like his pre common or his combine measurements when he was come through were six one two twelve. Pretty damn close. He Devontae ran a four five six in the forty, so everybody knew he was never a, a burner. I understand that Bateman ran like a what one like a four three nine or something dumb at one of his pro days, which I don't believe that at all. I I just I don't. I think that that's all a pro day pro day speed, and I don't really care because what I see on Tate is. Rashad Bateman puts up good numbers. He is a fantastic football player. His route running is great. He has good versatility, but not great. His run after catchability is outstanding. He's a problem to tackle in the open field. He is he's not a he's a leader less in terms of his like loud loudness. He's just like a watch me do it and then that's how we're gonna do it type lead by example type guy. He can play inside, he can play outside. He's got great hands. His his catch radius is huge. He was great in college early on. He had a, he broke out before he was 19 years old. He had an 87. Uh, he had 30% target share in college. He just Rashad Bateman does everything right, and I love the guy so much. And it just sucks that he can't go to Green Bay because there's no way Green Bay is going to just add him to the Devontae Adams mix because it would not be fair to everybody else. <laughs> I like I like I I don't really love these uh, guys that just kind of do it all at wide receiver a lot. Like last year, I was really down on a guy named Brian Edwards out of South Carolina. Everybody else in the draft community, specifically like fantasy draft community, loved mm-hmm. the guy. I just couldn't get to it. I was like, he's fine. He's going to show up and he's going to do the job. Rashad Bateman is like a better version of Brian Edwards, and I just. I love the guy. I would love for Green Bay to pick him in the late first. I am not in the camp of Green Bay needs to add a wide receiver, but or in terms of like I don't think it's a dire need, but Rashad Bateman's a guy that just 
I just watch him play, and I'm like, he would be so good in Green Bay. He fits perfectly. He, you can line him up anywhere. You can just, I'm sorry, I'm getting getting a little worked up about it, but just like some <laughs> people have comped him to like Justin Jefferson last year. I don't really see that. I see the I see the Devonte Adams comp because he's just big physical guy. He's not going to beat you with raw speed. He's got he's a decent blocker. He's not great, but he's not like Heinz Ward. But he's going to try to block. He's got he's good in shallow angles and working close to the line of scrimmage. Like you said, Matt, his 2020 was weird. He opted out and then he came back and then opted out. It was a whole it was a whole thing last year. But I think Rashad Bateman's going to come in and hit the ground running from day one. I if he doesn't end up in Green Bay, I'm going to be really sad because that means I'm going to have to root against him somewhere else because. He's just the kid's so talented. If you guys have, for those of you out there listening, if you haven't watched Rashad Bateman yet, just go watch him. He's you're go. He's such an enjoyable film watch. Focus more on his 2019 tape though. Uh, he was much better last year than he was this past season, but mm-hmm. it was just he was a really fun kid to watch. 100. percent And I, it's funny that you say the Justin Jefferson comparison because I saw that too in my research. I saw people on YouTube and just other articles reading. I was like, ah, maybe okay, like. I don't, I, I don't see it. Maybe maybe other people do. We'll see what happens when he gets in the league. And then the Brian Edwards, like, yeah, com- comparatively, very similar skill set, very similar size. I would say Bateman's probably a little bit more skilled. But um, there was definitely buzz around Edwards, and he did nothing when he came into the league. But the one thing that's uh, notable, too, is, like, Bateman does get above that 9 um, score on the relative athletic score. He's a 9.13. So definitely pulling at Goody's heartstrings. You mentioned the 439 alleged 40 time if that's true that's fantastic i just don't see that when i actually watch the real tape now again that's what like, i was thinking i was like there's no i was like i get it but it's a pro day speed it's just like tylen wallace when they had said that he ran 439 there's i was like there no tylen wallace did not run 439 44 mm-hmm. maybe 439 right. no no he did not and the fact that it is a 439 you're like okay you try to just slip under the 44 range just to maybe make yourself a couple hundred thousand dollars more but it is what it is like his vertical too, 36 that's awesome um i just think i think bateman's going to contribute to whoever he comes on to i just he like you said gage you said it perfect like he might get lost or he might make someone else lost in the receiver room if he were to come for the packers um i could see someone falling in love with bateman just because he checks boxes across the board but realistically like you're going to get a talented player who i think you can contribute day one with bateman and i'm with both you guys i, I mean, you guys are way more in depth in the receivers than i am i'm still kind of processing my way through this this class a little bit and I, I, I have a soft spot of like and dislike for Bateman after seeing what he's done for Minnesota against Wisconsin for a couple years. But the talent is obviously there, and he's going to be picked by somebody. I'm guessing he might he could sneak into the top 20, even top 25. Mm-hmm. He, he's rising up boards. He's going to be very good. And as we start to wrap things up on this first April uh, Packaday podcast for the three of us, Matt, if you had to pick one of these three guys, who is it and where would you pick them? Oh, man, great question. Um, I'm going to leave off Elijah Moore and Gage's little statistic about the, the weight comparison. I, you know, those are great and all, but I do put a lot of value into that. Um, you know, the, the quarterback hand one, maybe not so much, but the, the weight of the, the receiver is just like I the NFL is quite a physical league, obviously. I just don't think he makes my list. Um, Bateman, I, I like his skill set. I, I think he's a good player. Um Again, he played with you know a, a decent offense, but really when it comes down to it, I, I like Kadarius Tony because I think the Packers have enough guys like Bateman. 
Um, they have a whole entire, they have a whole roster of receivers that fall into the same thing that Rashad Bateman does. They don't have someone like Kadarius Tony. Um, I just think Tony could bring a lot of, you know, an added dimension to that offense. Nathaniel Hackett, Matt Lafleur, I could see them scheming up a couple plays for him. It would just be an, an extra piece. You don't really have to. You could kind of make Tavon Austin and Tyler Irvin obsolete. He adds another dimension to the backfield potentially, and he can return kicks. I, I think, I, for me, Tony's my guy. Where I would draft him, great question. I don't think any of us have said this yet. I am way out of the camp of first-round receiver this year. Like, last year I was kind of on the fence about it because I thought there was some, like, incredible talent. But I just don't see that as a need. So if you can get him at the earliest of, like, 36 if they were to trade back or trade up maybe in that range but i feel comfortable between that like 40 to 45 spot if they're able to move around uh, to go get tony or any of these receivers really not i'm not super sold on any of them being needing to be a first round pick Dude, uh, so like you said Kadarius tony would be uh probably the the like i obviously i was really in on rashad bateman i still really like the player and i said that i would take him in the first round i would i don't think green bay would and for that reason, I think I agree with the idea of trading back and getting Kadarius Tony in the second or like the early second. I, and the only reason I say like I would be more in on Bateman in the first is just it purely comes down to the fact I think that somebody else will take Bateman 36 because he is the guy that everybody, every team is looking for. Every team is always looking for this guy. They're always looking for that alpha wide receiver that can win in a traditional way. Some teams go with, like, the Tyreek Hill mold, and they get a guy that can win in other ways. But more often than not, you are looking for a guy that is going to win in the traditional way of being your traditional X receiver. He's going to line up out wide, he can, and he can run the full route tree and be the guy that when your quarterback needs a bailout, that's what you can get. And Bateman can be that guy because he is the traditional, the traditional X receiver type and – more or less, I think the Green Bay is going to end up going with a guy like Kadarius Tony, and I would prefer to keep him in the late, in the early second. So if you trade down, that's where I would go with that. I agree that Green Bay doesn't need a wide receiver in the first, Matt. Like you said, just Bateman, I know won't be there in the mid in the mid second, early to mid second. That's more what I was getting at mm-hmm. when I was saying like take him there. If you can get him in the early to mid second, fantastic. But I don't think he's going to be on the board still at that stage. So. So yeah, Kadarius Tony in the early to mid second would probably be where I would uh, lean with. And that's a fair call. I'm I'm with you guys with that one 100%. And I think that's going to be something to really keep an eye on as the as the the month goes on and as we get closer to draft day. These prospect rankings are going to be fluctuating wildly, especially in a year like we just had, where there was no real combine. We're relying on pro day time and and tape. And, and a very a truncated 2020 season tape with some of these guys. It's going to be really interesting to see how each team's board varies. It's going to be wildly different. This is going to be a draft unlike anything we've seen in a long time, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. And, of course, we those are the three prospects we, we've been able to break down today. Canarius, uh, Tony, Rashad Bateman, Elijah Moore. Stay tuned tomorrow. Andy and Ben are back. They'll, they'll be going through the offensive line. they got Jalen Mayfield. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, Christian Derisal, and uh, Liam Eikenberg. They'll be breaking down those guys tomorrow. And, of course, we'll be back next week. We'll have a trio of linebackers to talk about, which will be a lot of fun, and we'll see whether they go for linebacker for the first time since A.J. Hawk. So we'll <laughs> see how that goes. But as we wrap things up, uh, Matt, uh, where can people find you, and uh, what are you working on right now? 
Yeah, awesome. I appreciate it. That was great recording for you guys. I'm excited to keep going through the linebackers. Um, you can still find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Frey underscore. That's at M-A-T-T underscore F-R-A underscore. Um, obviously, Pack-A-Day podcast. Love doing this with you guys. We're creeping up the 1,000th episode, which is incredible. Um, shout out to everyone that's been a part of that. Uh, you can find me also on Game on Wisconsin. I'm helping the, the squad over there with uh, social content, uh, trying to promote all of our, our shows. Um, Dan Kotnick, friend of the show, friend of my normal Pack-A-Day podcast uh, assignment, crushing it with the draft days over there. Those are absolutely a blast. Uh, we're finishing up our Tournament of Hate Bracket, which uh, is coming down to the wire. We have, I believe it's Nadamakin Sue. And Skip Baylor's or Colin Cowherd, I forget, but go check out GameOnWisconsin.com and go to the Tournament of Hate section. You'll be able to vote there. Um, other than that, that that's really about it right now, boys. Just just gearing up for the draft. Um, but you know, doing these draft profiles is fantastic for me. It it, it makes me want to research more. It makes me dive in more, and I'm fully immersed in it at this point. Um, Gage, what do you got going on, my man? I'm doing a little bit of everything. I'm still doing uh, my own personal draft coverage, just kind of on my Twitter. That's and that's where you can find all of my content. I'm doing a little bit of work for, uh, like I said, the Cheesehead TV draft guide. I'm doing uh, stuff for Dynasty Nerds and Roto Baller. I got a little bit of work everywhere. Uh, I'm still doing Denver Nuggets coverage for Denver Stiffs. So, but it's the easiest thing to say is just if I tweet something out, it'll or if I write anything, it'll be on my Twitter. I'll either retweet it or tweet out myself. So that's where it'll be. Um, my DMs are always open if you want to talk draft coverage or anything else in this world, uh, whether it's sports, pop culture, or whatever. Uh, but, yeah, so my DMs are always open. I'm always uh, available to talk there uh, to answer any and all questions that you guys might have. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Wendland, all one word, the last name, W-E-N-D-L-A-N-D-T. Uh, again, find most of myself on Twitter. Also find me on ZaleskiSports.com as I broadcast high school sports this alternate spring season. It was weird having football uh, back on Thursday, but I did get to watch one of the greatest prospects in the state of Wisconsin, which is a lot of fun, and Braylon Allen, a name we'll probably be talking about in a few years as he progresses through the University of Wisconsin. The guy's an absolute animal. But also find us on, on Twitter, at Packity Podcast, wherever podcast platforms are, we will be there. And, and as Matt said, we're approaching our 1,000th episode. That's such an incredible, incredible feat, and... And I'm, I'm excited to be a part of the first 1,000, hopefully the next 1,000 as well, and so on mm-hmm. and so forth, until either the world ends or we are told that we are no longer allowed on the air. So that's going to be a lot of fun. And, of course, again, stay tuned for more draft coverage tomorrow from Andy and Ben. So we breaking down some of the best offensive line prospects. And, of course, stay tuned for the three of us back here next weekend as we break down some of the best inside linebackers in the 2021 NFL draft class. So for Gage Bridgeford and for Matt Freilich, this is Mike Wellen saying so long, everybody. Everyone... Stay warm, stay safe, always carry the G, and go Pack Go! <laughs>